as we know, as NFT enthusiasts, OpenSea is a major player. That was the first marketplace that was publicly available. And it has since been challenged by many other marketplaces, but it has really established itself as the dominant place on Ethereum. However, despite its brutal war with Magic Eden, which is primarily the king of Solana, it still remains on top with Ethereum. Now, it was impossible to mention Ethereum last week without having to mention Blur. It was a very interesting week, and as I joked in the newsletter, it was all a blur. But today, we're going to take a deep dive into the latest marketplace war. And despite what you might be seeing on Twitter, some of these numbers might shock you. Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. So just to give you a little bit of background as to what's really going on here in this battle, there are a couple things that really have to be taken into play. Not only is it the business model itself of how OpenSea is making money, but also understanding its relationship with venture capitalists, VCs. That's where it's getting its funding from. And I'm going to link an article from the Harvard Business Review. If you're really interested in how VCs work and how they actually operate with these startup companies and what have you, it was a really good read, but I'm not going to go into the full details of that. But just the part that I want to pull out is that over the last 30 years, or so, they have been a primary source of funding for startups, in particular in tech sectors. And most VCs do not forecast income or revenue or even profits into their model as to how they're getting into these things. The primary way that they're going to make their money is from the exit. So they want these companies to grow fast. They want them to be big, eat up as much market share as possible, and then they're going to exit, whether that means going public or selling it to another firm. But that is how they're expecting to get their ROI or return on investment. And just to give you a couple examples of some Web2 or tech firms that were funded by VCs, because 20% of a lot of these tech companies that are on the stock market are VC funded. Some very notable ones, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, those are all VC funded. And within Web3, we have Coinbase, we have OpenSea, Magic Eden, Yuga Labs, of course, famous for creating the board apes. Well, they are also backed by VCs. There's countless others, but those are just the big names I just want to throw out there really quick to show that VCs are definitely in this Web3 space. And it's not just all about NFT sales and it's all about the people and token sales and what have you. There is traditional business models behind all of this. And especially over the last 10 years, VCs were famous for just dumping their money into platforms that did not make any money whatsoever. And just for example, even Twitter was not a profitable company. Since Twitter's existence, they've only turned a profit two years. And before going public, that was really how VCs exited. But they were dumping money into that platform endlessly because of the growth. But where things really started to turn the corner and really made headlines was in 2019 by a company by the name of WeWork. WeWork is a space sharing or a space rental business that positioned themselves as being sort of a tech company, but they weren't. They were just simply a real estate company that were allowing you to rent offices for a period of time rather than your traditional leases. But they had themselves a very enthusiastic and almost like a cult leader of a CEO. And they got to a valuation of $47 billion, primarily from VCs and investments from companies such as SoftBank. But after all the hype wore down and everything and it came down to earth before going for its IPO, it was only valued at $10 billion, a far reach away from the $12 billion that was actually invested into this company from VCs and other sources. And 
Funny thing is, SoftBank was just taking losses left and right during this period from 2019, Uber and countless other companies that they were invested in had the same thing, high growth, high valuation. And of course, there were the darlings on Wall Street and everyone wanted a piece of it, but they weren't profitable. They were just bleeding through money like nobody's business. But between 2020 and 2023, VCs really began to tighten up their pockets. Not only is this recession, however you want to measure it, uh, his, is here, sales are down, the economy is just not doing very well, despite inflation and all this craziness that they're doing to try to hide the numbers. VCs are in the business of making money. They do not want to lose their money. So whereas they're meeting with 100 different companies and they're only investing in one and trying to make their profit, and of that, the majority of those aren't going to be profitable, they're even tightening it now. So they might be going 200, 300 to one. So the fact that they're already invested into OpenSea and they are seeing them as the market leader, as the NFT market king, if you will, in 2021, they had 97% of the market share. And since then, all those different ones coming in and competitors coming, their market share has been eaten away. However, they are still the king in the space. There's two ways for them to look at this. Are they A, going to go with what's most profitable or B, are they going to continue the market growth and keeping the shares and user base despite this being a bear market? Now, conventional wisdom would say that double down on what's working and squeeze out more profits and try to run a better business. However, that is what a CEO and the business, even the employees might think, but from a VC standpoint it is very different. And the interesting thing is when you take VC money, they have their boards and a lot of times the way these contracts are actually written up, that they have the option to even fire the CEO. They have final say as to if more money is raised, they can get the first dibs on getting more or they can exit the first or so forth. They have all sorts of things that were written into this contract. So once you take their money, you're playing their game by their rules. So when it comes to making this decision, are we going to go for the most profits, or are we going to go for the users and keeping the market share? Most likely, this decision is probably made by someone on the VC side of things. So primarily, they're making their money from those trading fees that are on the marketplace. So 2.5% is what they're charging. And of course, when you have players such as Magic Eden and now Blur, who are offering trading for less, that's of course going to draw attention, going to draw over the user base. And what we're seeing earlier when Magic Eden was really picking up steam and giving them a run for their money. They decided to play with creator royalties going down to 0%. However, they did not touch the open sea fees itself. And that made the community absolutely upset and they reneged on that. I did a whole episode on that. In case you missed that one, go back to episode number 354 and 360. That's when I speak about both OpenSea and Magic Eden going to 0% royalties for creators. And that just really upset the creator community and the whole NFT community as a whole, not even just them, the collectors as well. It was pretty crazy. The only people that were okay with it were like the hard hardcore DGENs that just wanted to make a profit and either way it didn't matter to them. But regardless to say, they both went back on it. But this is something that they've always trying to do. How are they going to compete with these platforms that are offering 0% creator royalties and 0% platform fees and still keep their market dominance? So in this latest war with Blur, it's just very interesting because again, they have gone to this 0% fees idea, but rather than cutting it from the creator side, this time they decided to cut their percent. So the primary way of OpenSea making revenue is the 2.5% fee that they charge for anyone that is transacting on that marketplace. So for example, if there is 
$100 worth of whatever crypto it is traded, they're going to get $2.50. So that is their primary way of making revenue. But with this, they are going to 0%, meaning that they have cut out their primary stream. So this is very interesting, definitely led by VC because not concerned with the profits, all about growth, keeping market share. That is definitely the blueprint that they operate by. So I really don't think this is something that the team or the company is necessarily excited about doing, but I could be wrong. I have no inside information. I'm not a part of the team, never spoken or interviewed anyone from the team or anything of that nature, but just knowing the dynamics of a company working with VC, again, you took their money, so you have to play by their rules. This might not be the thing that you want to do long-term because it's sort of cutting the viability of the company, but they know that Keeping that size is how they're going to get their return when the VCs exit. That is why they're probably going to push for this way. Now, as far as the business model goes for this, this is a very high margin business because in NFT transactions, as I said, if it's $100 worth of whatever it is, whatever crypto, usually ETH, they're going to get that $2.50 of the transaction. Well, their actual cost for doing that with that transaction is very, very minimal. It's a high margin business in the sense that the fixed cost, which is really the property that they have, the servers that they might be running, although most likely it's going through AWS, Amazon Web Services, so that scales up and down as needed. But I'm going to say the primary ones are going to be some equipment, the building, but most of all, the salaries that they're paying. So What's really interesting with this, there was an arms race as far as hiring people within Web3 because as you saw that there were so many tech companies laying off recently, even OpenSea themselves had laid off 20% of their staff. Well, a lot of people might be wondering, well, is this because of the whole crypto winter thing or what exactly is happening? Does this mean that the market is going to make a severe downturn and not return? Well, here's the thing. When these tech companies are hiring, they hire way more than they actually need right now because they don't want to wait until they need them because they know it's going to be hard to hire their staff. So let's just say they need 100 people. They're going to hire 120 people, projecting that there's going to be growth and there's going to be time to actually find the people that they want. So they overhire by that 20%. And so when they lay off that 20%, it's actually down to what they need because they're not just competing with the Web3 companies of the world like the Blurs, Magic Edens, and Crypto, and Coinbase for these various coders and what have you that understand crypto and whatever the, these platforms are actually trying to do, but they're also competing with the tech world as a whole. Of course, you have the Facebooks, the Amazons, the Netflix, and so forth. They're hiring coders as well, but then you have the traditional media such as Disney. You have companies such as Walmart, Lowe's, and Starbucks. By the way, I've done episodes about all of those, so if you just do the search, when you're looking through the queues for Disney, Walmart, Lowe's, and so forth, you'll find different content about them. All of those companies are hiring within Web3, which is pretty interesting. So they're competing with a lot of people. So that is why they had such a high number of employees and they're growing as quick as possible because they're anticipating growth. So when there is a slowdown and then there is that cutback, I would say that they're going to a more rational number. And that's definitely a wise business decision, although they're cutting their profits. But as far as a price war goes now, no one wins a price war. That's something that I say quite often. Reason being is eventually a price war is going to cause the consumer to suffer. Initially, it's going to seem like a great thing because there's some savings, because when there are just a few companies and they're dominating and they don't really have to worry about 
their customers going anywhere, then they start to do certain things that's really not to the best interest. But once a price war starts, things spiral out of control very quickly. Consumers are very happy. But look what happens over at the airlines, for example. They used to be very expensive, but the experience, let's just say in the 90s, was so much better. I remember when I used to fly to Jamaica and it was like a world-class experience. You're getting hot meals and whether you're on American Airlines or Air Jamaica or any of those companies, a lot of them have gone out of business since. It was just a really nice experience. It was like a dining experience crossed with a hotel. Just really great. Nowadays, you're paying for your leg room extra on Spirit, which I flew, I think, once or twice. I would never do that again. That was just out of desperation, last minute flight for a wedding. And it wasn't even worth it, even though it was $400 savings, like a half the price, but it still was not worth it. But what I'm trying to say is once that experience tries to get down and everyone's trying to cut penny here, penny there, just for a little bit of savings, that race to the bottom equals a worse experience. I don't know anyone that could say it is much more enjoyable flying with these airlines today at these lower prices proportionally than it was in the 90s when, yeah, sure, things might have cost a little bit more, especially with the wages and cost of things those days. However, it was a much better experience. So when it comes to these price wars, what's going on here? Things are going to break more. Things are not going to be as user friendly and so forth. It's usually not a good thing. So I'm not really looking forward to it. But also what ends up happening is the company with the biggest and the deepest pockets is the one that normally survives the price war. Whoever can withstand all these price cuts and operating in the red, whether it is backed by the biggest VC or maybe they had enough profit saved up from the past, whatever it might be, those are the companies that stand out. And on the other side of the price war, we go back to the same situation. Very few players that are in the game. And guess what? They're going to recoup all those years of losses that they had during the price war. So they're going to, again, jack up the prices and do all of those things. So we're right back to square one in that case. But when it comes to data, things get very interesting because the number that you're seeing a lot of the times that are on Twitter, everyone's tweeting about and raving about is the actual total volume, the amount of ETH that's being traded. And on this, I'm going to go check out Dapper Radar, one of my favorite places to get information such as this. And as far as in US dollars, the reason why they track it this way is because they do all sorts of crypto, uh, not just on ETH. They do WAX, they do Solana, they do everything really. But as far as U.S. dollars worth of trades on the platform, you're going to see that over the last week, Blur blew OpenSea away. It was five to one. So we're talking 539 million to 101 million. So roughly five to one. But when it actually comes down to unique wallets, now that's where things start to get a little bit interesting. And that's not really being spoken about as far as on Twitter, what anyone is saying. You'll see that 129,000 unique wallets have been on Blur versus 128,000 unique wallets on OpenSea. So what this is saying that the gap is much closer than you would think is based on the number of wallets. But as far as where the whales are doing their transactions, the big amounts, five to one, it's definitely over on blur, not to mention with the airdrops and all those things that were happening. So there's a lot of activity over there. So a lot of those numbers should be a little bit disguised and what have you. But definitely, no matter how you look at it, blur is winning this race. And when you actually now look at the 24 hours, that's where things get even more interesting because within the last 24 hours, OpenSea again is back on top as far as the number of wallets of 29,000. And then blur is all the way down at 16,000. But as far as the dollar volume now, it's still flipped about five to one in the sense that Blur is getting 95 million and OpenSea is getting about 18 million. So 
what this is telling me is that the whales are definitely on blur and that's what they're advertised as a pro trading platform so they're over there doing the bigger trades and a lot more flips however the number of users it's almost flipped two to one are now on OpenSea, which is a back to where they are the market leader dominating the space and that tells me that the retail traders the average person that just wants a good, clean UI. Maybe they're already used to OpenSea. They've already learned the ecosystem, understands how that works. That's where they're doing their trades. And as far as Blur, the people that might be able to sacrifice a little bit of UI. So it is very interesting to me that the UI, that experience of the retail trader is also what makes things interesting for a fee. You know, that is what we're really paying for. A lot of the times when you're paying a premium, you're paying a premium for the experience of using it. By the way, after recording this, I realized I said UI a whole bunch of times without explaining what it was. So just in case you're not familiar with what UI means, it is user interface. So going forward, I don't know how this 0% thing is going to work. And I think honestly, once the VCs unload and they get their return, whatever they're looking for, then they will probably start to look more a little bit on the more of monetizing it and doing what's right for the business and sustaining that, being able to fund all of that rather than relying on the deep pockets of the VCs. But either way, I think this is a definitely interesting use case. Some things are going on here. This war is not going to die down anytime soon. But if I'm supposed to make a prediction, I think the whole activity over on Blur is going to die down over time. And I think, I think <laughs> that most people are going to return to open seas and the average person that's even new coming into the space, that's where they're going to go. I don't think the newbie is going to go to Blur. I think the new person however few they may be right now in this market are going to go to open seas. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And of course, this again, this is only the Ethereum ecosystem. There is a lot of other places to go, although OpenSea has Solana and other ones as well. Their primary market is with Ethereum. But speaking about ETH, if you're interested in some interesting tools that I like to use for unlocking the power of Ethereum, both for creators and collectors, you can get that list for absolutely free by going to niftybusiness.show slash unlock ETH. Might be a little bit long, but I will have that in the show notes. It'll be the first link right there on top. You can see that and it takes you to that. Some great tools such as alternatives to MetaMask, no code options to build certain things and great places to get some data. If you're interested in that, check it out. It's absolutely free. But as usual, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.